Hello and welcome back to the Dynasty Crossroads. My name is Peter Howard at Pia Howdy on Twitter and threads and everywhere else you need an at. Let's get on with the week four. I call it the too long didn't read report. DLF calls it the regression and trends article for week four. And no, it's stuff I noted from four weeks worth of data, which is a really important th- threshold in terms of data for the 2023 season from a dynasty perspective. So things to keep an eye on, things to note possible edges hopefully not everyone in your league already knows so let's get on with that right after this message from Ticketmaster. more memories are made when you're there for live nfl action and when you need tickets Ticketmaster's got you covered as the official marketplace of the nfl Ticketmaster gives you more ways to find your perfect seat their interactive seat map gives you 360 degree previews of your section to make sure you have the best views of those pivotal plays and if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. Plus, mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. You can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com NFL. Do you have the time to listen to me grind? Take down the film watchers and learn at once. Do players get on the field a lot and then earn targets or vice versa? I try to keep this podcast in season and also the weekly article I'm writing for DLF and Patreon short, sharp, and sometimes maybe even sweet. So I don't want to pontificate on that type of question too much in season, but it is the exact sort of question that I'm trying to answer in the off season when I dig into this data more. In season, I'm just trying to note here and there things that might be interesting elements of the answer. But for right now, the best I can say, or the quick version of it, is yes, both and all of it. Context is just another way of saying that any trend can be good and it can be bad. It really depends on the result. And we can spin now to one side or the other as we go forward. And lots of new stats, like what percentage of the team's routes are you running in 11 personnel and stuff, are trying to give us a better answer. But at the end of the day, the short, short, simple idea is that both kind of things are good being efficient on a smaller level of targets can lead to more volume and getting volume gives you the opportunity to display efficiency while you're on the field so keep that in mind as we look at trends especially after four weeks where usages are really starting to stabilize outside of further continuing reality happening and more context coming in so let's get to it Here's my walkthrough of the deeper nooks and crannies of Dynasty data. My main observations in NFL usage and regression from the first four weeks. Of course, you can find all my data, my weekly data, and the tables I'm using to really break down team usages on my my pinned Patreon post, I guess, but also my pinned Twitter post and threads post and everywhere else. Or just follow my link tree, it's in there. Let's start off with Arizona. Michael Wilson arrives. A lot a lot will be made of his routes this week. Or his targets, maybe. However, my eye is on the spread of the offense. Wilson had 17% of the targets this week, but the team passed 41 times. Also, his red zone pre- presence his red zone presence is potentially weak, having 0, 0, 0, and 2 targets inside the 20-yard line in 2023. Simply put, Michael Wilson has arrived as someone we need to acknowledge in fantasy football. We've consistently noted his ability to earn routes, his yards per route run numbers are solid, 
and this week he finally managed to earn targets efficiently at 20% targets per rare run. But is his top 12 finish sustainable? No, not really. His volume is top 36 overall at the position, adjusting for red zone work using weighted opportunity. And he can't catch a touchdown every time he gets a target inside the 20 yard line. Rondon Moore still outroutes him, though on a much lower A dot, and Marcus Brown does still lead the team in terms of overall underlying percentage of the team's routes. In Atlanta, this is where Kyle Pitts is more of a wide receiver, quote-unquote, gets complicated. The average A dot of a top 12 tight end in fantasy football has been 7.8 since 2015. Jono Smith's A dot is 7.1, while Kyle Pitts's A dot this season has been 11.8. Drake London leads the team with over 20% of the overall routes as well, and Kyle Pitts is only marginally behind. But Smith's lower ADOT makes for a slightly higher slot rate and also reception percentage. Combined with twice the red zone presence, Pitts has 7% of the team's touches inside the 20-yard line, Smith has 14 this season in total per game, and Desmond Ritter at the helm, this all results in some difficult start-sick questions for 2023. I still don't see any long-term value in Jonu Smith and Dynasty, but right now, in this manifestation of the offense, Smith's role is built to be more consistent with a quarterback who's season-high in pacer, the rate at which he's converting A yards into receiving yards, is 54%, when the league average is 77%. In Baltimore, his name was Marcus Brown. His name was Marcus Brown. His name was Marcus Brown. A Fight Club reference because I'm old and that's as good as my references can get. Now remember when Marcus Brown was a young promising player on a rushing offense that had Mark Andrews. We're back baby. The league average in pass attempts is 34.5. The Ravens have hit that have yet to hit that number in a single week in 2023. As a rookie, Zay Flowers hasn't dipped below 15% of the team's targets or 19% of the team's routes. It's quite often over 20% through the first four weeks. As a side note, just as Hill came back after limited practices this week, he was efficient once again on his touches, and he could return to the usage we saw in week 1 and 2 this season, and that's something to keep in mind. In Buffalo, Dalton Kincaid continues to arrive like a very slow bus to somewhere probably j- just fine. Dawson Knox has his season-low target share 4% and season-low snap share 7%, while Dalton Kincaid hit his season-high 20% of targets in week 4. Which is nice, but it's also the third time in a row the team put over over 30 points in a week and Kincaid hasn't had a single red zone target. In Carolina, Bryce Young is still a top three rookie QB. You probably already know that, but we're driven to chase production and despite Young returning in week four to his season high pacer and completion percentage, his 7.2 fantasy points weren't exactly rewarding. Earlier is better, but better players don't always produce earlier and that's worth keeping in mind. In Cincinnati, it's time to sit Joe Burrow for this season for at least a little while. The Bengals' wide receivers has averaged an ADOT below 7.6 for the last three games, and Mark hit only three times in the past two years with Joe Burrow at the helm. True, T. Higgins went out last week in the second quarter, and Tyler Board's snap share increased, but I don't think that's it. I can't find anything that stands out with significance. It's just been bad, and it's not the matchups. Narratives and guesses are basically all we have left. Confidence, for example. To be clear, I don't imagine this lasts forever, but for whatever reason, Burrow isn't playing well right now. 
And on a side note, Tyler Boyd didn't increase in route percentage, but was able to earn more targets while Higgins was out. Which is probably what we should expect going forward. In Cleveland, no one has upside with Dorian Thompson-Robinson at QB. With Deshaun Watson deciding to sit out for the week, the only player with an ADOT over 8 was Donovan Peoples-Jones, and he had 4 targets. On top of that, Elijah Mitchell... On top of that, Elijah Moore had 20 receiving yards and minus 20 rushing yards. Which is weird. This benefited David Njoku, actually, at the tight end position, despite suffering burns this week in an accident at home. But I would honestly sell that for as much as it's worth in Dynasty, because I... I I don't like this version of the offense, and, and I don't want it. In Dallas, Jake Ferguson is exciting, unsustainable production. Or maybe unsustainable production we should be excited about. It is a year of Puka Nakua, after all, so maybe you can get excited about Jake Ferguson as well. His touchdown production is stable. 157 yards per touchdown is pretty high, actually, for a tight end. And he should score more touchdowns just based on his red zone touches so far. Ferguson has 14, 19, 29, and 26 routes over the first four weeks. He's finished in the top 12 each of the last three weeks and scored one touchdown on 16% of the red zone targets inside the 20-yard line. At this, And he's a distant second to Tony Pollard in terms of red zone presence, who has like 40% of the team's touches, just a note. He probably can't sustain 1.67 yards per route run on an ADOT of 4.4 nor a targets per route run of 30%. But he is growing a potent part of this offense that should be scoring more touchdowns moving forward. In Denver, Jaleel McLaughlin should be rostered, but so should Samaji Pirine, who probably already is. Javante Williams, after two carries and three targets, and it's so tempting to think that was the beginning of the upside we were hoping for, left the game in week four. We have no information on the extent of the injury or likely missed time right now, but hopefully it won't be too long. Jaleel McLaughlin paid off on a lot of late off-season waiver wire moves, especially if you're paying attention to DLF ranks and ADP where he showed up just before the season began. But 72 yards and 7 carries while efficient, and that is good, is also misleading since Samaji Pirine had 6 carries versus McLaughlin's 7. Pirine even had 2 targets to McLaughlin's 3. Though he did have the though McLaughlin did have those two targets inside the 20-yard line, P. Ryan only had two touches inside the 20-yard line, but there are rushing attempts, so they're worth just a little bit less. In Detroit, Jameer Gibbs is who we hopefully, hopefully you two thought he was. Detroit Lions passed 28 times in Week Four and rushed the ball 43 times, meaning they pass the ball on 39% of the team's attempts. The league average, by the way, is 56% in 2023. I think having Avon Kamara as a top 1 percentile outcome for Jameer Gibbs was the right idea. But maybe, especially given his dynamic play in week 1, some are now disappointed it's not already here yet. It's important to remember that when Avon Kamara was a rookie, Mark Ingram led the team in rushing attempts. And as a player who has more target share than rushing share, David Montgomery's presence should be limiting his role. Jameer Gibbs is fine. He has an impressive overall share of the offense, for running back and is indeed more target share than rushing share. 1% out outcomes are hard to hit, but right now he's a safe bet to land inside his range of outcomes, which is a good young running back who gets targets. In Green Bay, Christian Watson returns, and now we wait. 
Christian Watson returned to the field with 10% of the team's targets, or routes, sorry, and earned a target on 20% of those routes. Targets per route run. He only ran out of the slot 22% of the time and had an ADOT of 10.3. So he's not playing in the slot, but his ADOT's a little lower than I expect it to be moving forward. Now we wait to see the balance of the offense of this receiving corps and how it reacts as he works back to his full role. In the meantime, Romeo Dibbs led the team with 38% of targets in week 4 and still leads by a small margin in percentage of team's overall routes per game, 18.4% over Jaden Reed's 15.6%. Last year, during week 15-16, to 16, the only time both Dubs and Watson really played together, Watson led in route percentage between the two. But Dubs was only just working back from an injury at the time of his own. And Jaden Reed wasn't even there yet, not to mention Luke Musgrave. Side note, Luke Musgrave suffered a concussion this week, uh, so hopefully he gets back soon. And Jordan Love continues to regress after his, you know, really high touchdown rate early in the season. The team has yet to complete passes at a league average rate in 2023. So, Jordan Love. In Houston, Tank Dell has the volume, Nico Collins has the air yards. Easy to write off Nico Collins' week three dip due to a matchup. And consider week four a return to the norm. I did want to get confirmation bias last week when I wrote up Houston. But that was in terms of Tank Dell and the fact that we like him. But Tank Dell once again improved in route percentage. Hitting 20% of the team's overall routes in week four. And Nico Collins remained slightly behind with 18%. He caught two touchdowns. One of them on his lone target inside the 20 yard line. The thing about chasing volume is that makes it more likely that the down weeks are temporary and the good weeks are more common, and vice versa. Nico Collins is having an excellent year, to his credit and his credit alone. But a volume of air yards is weaker than a volume of opportunities, for me. The best dynasty signal, however, remains to really, really like CJ Stroud. In Indianapolis, Anthony Richardson was inaccurate last week. Not the main takeaway for many, considering his points, but it's my only real question about the player. He had 32% of the team's rushing attempts, and finished as a QB4 on the week. He scored a rushing touchdown as well, and put 56 rushing yards with it. Cool. He also only completed 44% of his passes, and 64% of his air yards. And this was the first game his wide receivers averaged ADOTs over 6. I'm not condemning the rookie. I'm just keeping my eye on the prize here. The main difference between the Justin Fields value arc and the Lamar Jackson one is this. And Lamar Jackson, by the way, has never had a game where he completed only 44% of his passes in the NFL. Not having thrown more than five times anyway. In Jacksonville, Trevor Lawrence continues to prefer Christian Kirk. Easy to fall into my priors with Team Old Guy, having Ridley put up over 50 yards or a touchdown every week this season. But he had a dead-even split with Christian Kirk last week on 22% of the team's underlying routes. And while he has a lower ADOT, 7.2 versus Ridley 11, Christian Kirk remains persistently more preferenced in this offense so far. Ridley had two targets last week, and 6.7% of the, which is 6.7% of the team's targets. And Kirk had 12, which is 40%, and 92% of the air yards. I know that's a matchup and Kirk's targets are lower value, lower volume, because of the air yards, but those numbers do seem to be leaning one very specific way. Ridley is a decent buy low for a contending team, but builders should consider shopping him. In Kansas City, Justin Watson has increased in route percentage in 2023. 
Rashid Rice is still the only Kansas wide receiver I'm really interested in in Dynasty. But if you want to check out Justin Watson's route percentage, it is interesting. By week, he had 7.4% in week 1, 12.4% in week 2, then 11.3% in week 3. And in week 4, he had 146 Rashi Rice still has over 10% of the team's underlying routes in both of the last two games, and both have higher ADOTs, so they're competing for similar roles. The Kansas City passing game remains Travis Kelsey and then a broad split of whoever Mahomes wants to pass to on any given play in general, however, but something to note. For the Los Angeles Rams, Kyron Williams is the RB6 this season and weighted opportunity. Sure, Puka Nakua is a big Dynasty conversation right now, but some teams in Dynasty are just trying to win games. A loss of Cam Akers agrees with Kyron Williams. While his target percentage was down this week, last week, randomly, and his yards per touchdown is unsustainable, he also hasn't been below 63% of the team's rushing attempts since week 2, or below 10 total rushing attempts in a week. And his red zone presence in both targets and rushing attempts is immense, he has 80% of the team's total touches inside the 20-yard line. There are only two other players with this kind of red zone opportunity, and neither of them could be had for anything as low as Kyron Williams in most Dynasty Leagues. And you can't see the image, so check out my article. No, it's Christian McCaffrey and Tony Pollard, both of whom have more, but very small small amounts. Tony Pollard has 31 total touches inside the 20-yard line. Christian McCaffrey has 26, and Kyron Williams, again, has 24. So... He's in rarefied air in terms of his scoring opportunities. In Miami, Duran Smythe bounced back. I noted all the interesting items already last week, I think, but Duran Smythe did bounce back with 11% of the team's targets and 14.9% of the team's routes in week four. Just wanted to mention it because we're still trying to figure out the balance of the receiving core with uh, Devin A-Chain coming along, but still. We're learning about young players and the relationship to on-field opportunities whenever we can, in my opinion. In Miami, Jordan Addison still had 70% of the team's routes. Just in case you were worried I jinxed him last week, it's going to be fine. Yes, the room is on fire around me. Cam Akers took 11% of the team's targets, by the way, in his debut, and 21% of the team's rushing attempts. Madison is still the dominant half of the split, but it did drop his weighted opportunity this week to 13.4, which is borderline top 24 numbers instead of top 12, and that's something to keep an eye on. In New England, Mac Jones is aggressively mediocre, and last week he was aggressively terrible. Mac Jones only has only completed 51% and 57% of his passing attempts in the last two weeks, and last week's performance would be tough to, if your coach didn't have a habit of regularly doghousing players. But the schedule does seem to ease up a little in terms of points allowed by the defenses this season that they face over the next few weeks. In New Orleans, Avin Kamara immediately a top 10 running back in weighted opportunity. 11 rush attempts, 14 targets. Good night to all other running backs on the roster, to be honest. The New York Jets, Brees Hall ran 17 routes this week. That's up from 11 routes in week 3 and 9 routes in week 2, and so on. His snap percentage stabilized and his rushing attempts receded just a little. The net effect for me is that this is just one more week I could potentially add him on a dynasty roster before the workload fully comes back. In Tampa Bay, Chris Godwin and Rashad White a due touchdown regression, still. Both have high red zone workloads, uh, but not many touchdowns to show for it. Rashad White's weighted opportunity is top 12 right now. If he could find the end zone in just a league average rate, he'd be very exciting. 
Right now, he's running back 27 in points per game. And if there was a healthy comp- if there was any healthy competition in the backfield, it'd be a good idea to pick them up. Or when they get healthy again, maybe. Just in case he doesn't start producing on those touches and they start going somewhere else. But of course, never roster Keyshawn Vaughn. In Tennessee, Justin Wild siding. 7% target share, 2 targets, 3.6% of the team's routes, and a touchdown. No one cares except me and maybe a few of the degenerate rookie tight end profilers, but I'm telling everyone anyway. He caught a touchdown. I honestly have interest in stashing him on deeper rosters, and I'll take the positive where I can, and that's all this is about. Just to remind you, he's a fifth round pick who played at Cincinnati in college. He's six foot, six inches tall, and weighs 244 pounds, 45 pounds, according to ProFootballReference.com. He also had interesting yards after the catch numbers, if you remember my tight end rookie profiles from this offseason. Check out my rookie profiles from this offseason if you want to know more, because I really don't want to make this series too in-depth on any one topic. But anyway, that's about it for this week. Again, if you're interested in the tables or the stats or any of the tables or the players that I didn't get to talk about much this week because they played a Monday game or they're playing a Thursday game, which I don't write up for this column or this podcast, then let me know or go check them out. Pin to my Twitter timeline, pin to my Patreon timeline. It's free. It's just a Google sheet and you can see it whenever you want and explore it or ask me to explore it, I guess, at PA Howdy if you have any questions. Um, until next week, I guess. Thanks very much for checking out the crossroads, and good luck this week. Yeah. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold. So, Jake on the table and they on the plays, no. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking their brains, got different lanes, but I like that. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats. Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight back and forth. There is no order, they disorder more and more because the players ain't no older. They some hoarders or some mortars, dropping bombs without no borders. They got that, I, I like mortar. Peak grinding numbers like molars, I don't know anymore. I am at a crossroads. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road. Go, clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold. So, Jake on the table and they on the plays. No, Pete enumerates the plays are analytical. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road. Go, clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold. So, Jake on the table and they on the plays. No, Pete enumerates the plays are analytical.